0: Greetings everyone. It's been a while since I broke in and advertised, but there is a very worthy cause right now that I feel compelled to share with you. Have you played Little Ghost from SyncBook Games yet? The demo is currently available and very playable, designed basically for anyone who is a listener of Always Record. That being said, the link that I will share to point you toward the demo is the current Kickstarter campaign for the game? Tinyurl.com slash Y44TDYNX. Those are all lowercase, and I'll repeat it. Tinyurl.com slash Y44TDYNX. Of course, you can naturally find the link to the Kickstarter also at the top of the homepage at thesyncbook.com. So what is it? Explore a wildly artistic papercraft world of maze-like puzzle platforming, plus a real-life physical tarot deck based on the game. While the demo serves as a chapter one release, it has long been Alan's hope to be able to create and share with you the full Little Ghost experience that he's plotted out over the last few years. Over nine hours of gaming, with lots of power-ups, and four playable characters that can join your team. Your support of this Kickstarter today can make this vision a reality. Alan, the primary developer and art director of The Little Ghost, is the Alan you know frequent host of Always Record, Synchronize, and Sync Quick News, as well as the publisher of the Sync Books and the managing editor of Sync Book Press. In Little Ghost, one of the main collectibles are tarot cards. As part of this Kickstarter campaign to fund the full game, one of the offerings will be the full 78 in-game cards of Little Ghost as a physical tarot deck beautifully printed, featuring illustrations by the incredible Eduardo Alexandrino. This campaign is the culmination of years of work and study, and I couldn't be more (laughs) thrilled to share it with you. Please do check it out. The pledge tiers and rewards are fun and meaningful at every level. This is a worthwhile, independent, artistic endeavor. And so I say, please do consider supporting this campaign Alan has been such a support for so many different independent artists over the years. And so is very deserving of your support now. Please do support this. Thank you so much. Have a lovely fall. Also, as a PS here, if you're in Richmond, Virginia, Wednesday, October 19th, there is a Little Ghost Sync event You've got music, pop-up, video games, check it out, details on the Kickstarter. Okay, so then jumping...
1: Yeah, we haven't even got to the whirlwind yet, really. We didn't get to the whirlwind for the 42 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Except with Mark, that's fine. Yeah, we got into it at the beginning, so that's
0: all right. Uh, Yeah, the... uh, Well, so... Uh, if you want to keep going with Fry, because like now the other the other point of view is more of this um, psychological, like the Bible as uh, a psyche and Jung kind of like explicating that based on... So it, that was the interesting thing in reading Jung is like how many times it takes, how many times God has to mess up and, and like all these like mirrorings. So like you have... You have, um, if Adam, you know, is is a God's creation, then you have Cain and Abel as, you know, um, Adam's creation, mm-hmm. and they're creating these, you know, so like Satan is God's first son, you, you know, you so you have Adam and Satan kind of on on one thing, and then you have Cain and Abel as as a as a mirror to that. You have you have. Um, And then you have Eve and Lilith. And then you also have, like, Sophia in in there, too. And so you have all um, these—it's like uh, Terence McKenna's fractal thing, where, like, you're saying Job is the fractal unit, but you have these things continuing. So, like, in the book of Revelations, you have the same kind of thing where you have the sun. Moon woman giving birth to the Messiah, and it's like, well, is that Jesus or is this a new Messiah, or you know, what what's what's happening there? But it definitely feels like of a piece and connected.
1: Well, yeah, we might talk about the uh, the actual structure of the book too. Like, this is Job is in forty two chapters, which um, I think is significant because, aside from 42 minutes, but uh, it's, it's also something that Madame Blavatsky points out is that the book of Job is the same structure as you find in the uh, Egyptian book of the dead, right? In the, in the Egyptian book of the dead, um, there's...
0: The 42 names of Mott?
1: Yeah, the, 40, yeah, the, uh, the 42 assessors of the dead basically. They're the, they're the judges of the dead. So, so in the book of the dead, there's a scene of judgment and Osiris is sitting on his throne like God. And then before him are the sons of God, again described as sons of God, which are 42 assessors of the dead. And then there's four spirits, four different spirits around the altar, right? I don't know if they're exactly these four spirits, she doesn't get into it, if they're the four sons of Horus or not, um, but they, they very well could be, right? Um, which is which is big when we get into Blake um, but then uh, so then the soul to be judged stands near the entrance and then Horace and Anubis are sort of inspecting the scales and writing down the record uh, Horace uh, sorry um, yeah, that's right. like inspecting the, uh, the the scales and then it's described as a bitch. sits as the accuser, like a dog-headed god, I guess a, a female dog headed god which she later on identifies with typhon who's not who's not female but uh um but he's saying is she's saying that uh, blavatsky is saying that typhon is the satan of this story as the accuser right like a like a public prosecutor and that happens all the time and so she's saying that uh, um the initiation in, into the mysteries in general like the, the classical mysteries Regardless of of which land they're centered in, is always a dramatic representation of the scenes in the underworld. And so this is this is the whole allegory of of Job, is that it's a an underworld initiation, um, which is which is amazing. So she says it's it's yeah it's a complete representation of the ancient initi- initiation and the trials which precede it. Like there's a trial, a judging of the soul. And then the initiation after that. Um,
0: so uh, so then, um, Elihu Elihu makes his argument, and then Job answers. Does he? And then eventually God comes out of the. Let's see. Um, Ruin. No. Um, so. Job has a monologue, and then LAU has speeches, and then, um, and then God makes his argument. And it seems like, you know, Jung's interpretation of God's argument is might is right. You know, it's like, because of his, his strength, you know, of course, um, of course, it's, you know, God can do whatever he wants
1: yeah this is the part where I like Young maybe you has disagree
0: a... well, because so young's the crux of his thing is that job becomes conscious, whereas God is unconscious,
1: yeah. job job becomes aware of the fact that God is wrong, basically. Um, and
0: job is more like a more conscious, so like,
1: more moral more conscious more righteous than god is
0: right right and, and so he realizes
1: like, that and then god realizes that as well and then right. that is what's why he has that to is incarnate. what this whole process right like right yeah
0: so like jesus is a response to job
1: yeah and th- this is interesting in young too is that even jesus is not a complete response because jesus being born of a virgin who's uh and he and Jung parallels Mary with Sophia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because she's a virgin, she's not involved in sin. She hasn't fallen, right? Which, which Job has fallen. So Job was fully human, but Mary and Christ are not fully human because they still, they're born without sin. And so then the next step, so even after Christ, the next step is Christ saying the Holy Spirit is to come. right. And then the Holy Spirit coming to everyone, all of christ's followers who are who are imperfect like their 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 fallen humanity, um, then that's the chance for God to redeem himself, you know because God at that point, the Holy Spirit entering into like the believers of Christ, then God has the experience the the real experience of being fully human
0: yeah, and so like the whole Bible is like think young says an outward example of an inward dialectic where you have these <laughs> these two things that are trying to come together and it's a it's like a process
1: yeah yeah um like i guess that's true anyways like that that's yeah I, i'm not saying i disagree with that uh interpretation because i think that's i i love that you know it's a it's a great interpretation especially um christ bringing the... it bringing it to the whole bible right like and and he goes beyond the bible he goes into the uh the the, the future councils of the catholic church um like the, basically the redemption of mary for the catholic church yeah um
0: right what well, the reunification of yahweh with sophia like so right. it's like the whole the whole cycle. What does I say?
1: The heroes gamos, he calls it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a um, lot of heroes gamos. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But so like one of the other interesting things is like this. Um, there's a lot of weird contradictions, like because because Yahweh is all knowing, he would know what what's going to happen with with Job. Yeah. Like he's deceiving himself. Um, at a, at a, and that's I think the consciousness that Young is. So there's like a lot of unconsciousness in Yahweh, and Job's becoming more and more conscious because he's he's dealing with these contradictions, and so I yeah. think Young is using utilizing those things to talk about the difference between a process that you're going through uh, unconsciously, where you're being dragged towards your destiny, whereas if you were aware of you know if you were able to participate in that process then it would be a, a different experience
1: yeah 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 the only the only thing well i don't again it's just young's coming at it from a different a different perspective so i don't find fault in young at all for this but it, um i think it opens up more to look at it um just the figure of job and job being a uh, an initiatory uh, figure, um, but in Young, what I like the most about Young is that uh, this whole book is pivotal. It pivotal to, to the whole Bible because Job is the reason why Christ is, is the reason for the incarnation of Christ, which is which is an amazing thought because God realizes that He's. He's done an injustice for Job. And even at the end of Job, where he restores everything to him, he still realizes that he has faulted Job and he has to correct that. And he corrects that with Christ. But Um,
0: right to, to suffer the same, you know, he has to suffer the same as Job does. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I read that line. um, "Oh, Oh, God, oh God, why have you forsaken me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's crucial. That's such a, that's such an important point. Um, Cause that, yeah, that is the climax of the whole Bible in a way, you know, that's when all of the sins of, of the earth, past present and future all storm on the head of Christ all at once. And everything has become nothingness and blackness. And he said, yeah, why, why have you forsaken me? So at that point, then, he understands job right um maybe but <laughs> i don't know like that's a strange thing so if he did at that point then why does young say that the holy spirit needs to happen like from from that psychological well once we
0: get into the holy spirit stuff then it really takes me into like more of a philip k dick like yeah space yeah space alien kind of you know it's like well, oh yeah Well, the
1: Gnostic stuff, right? Like the Gnostic, especially especially with Sophia. But the thing about Sophia is that um, that's not just a Gnostic concept. Like the, I mean, it's not extra biblical. It's it's right in the Bible. Like it's right in the in the Book of Proverbs, where it talks about wisdom or Sophia being with God since the beginning of time. Um, So So that's uh, what's
0: interesting about needing to read the whole thing to get like the whole picture.
1: Yeah. 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 That's, and, and, and that's what, that's why Fry is so important. and so amazing to read alongside the Bible because he, he has that that whole picture view of it. Um, And and then he's comparing it to the structure of all kinds of other literature. Um, But, but with Fry, it's like, he thinks that the most crucial point, in um the theophany at the end where basically um god is showing job the mysteries of the universe but the big thing about that is when he shows job leviathan and then behemoth right yeah who are who are the creatures of chaos they're not just normal animals or whatever they are they're the original um the original basic uh, sea goddess of chaos um, before the creation that God um, subdued in order to create the world. and But in a sense, we're still trapped inside of it. It represents all of history. It represents all of space and time and everything else. And so Fry is saying that uh, Christ, uh, God is showing Job a picture of the world outside of leviathan outside the belly of the whale basically another like he's he's identifying it with the, the whale in the jonah story right um and so job is now outside of history outside of space and time and only then he reaches the viewpoint of god and eternity um and that's what wakes him up completely so at that point it, it nothing else matters it doesn't matter that that uh like the, the part at the end where he, it's tacked on that he, he, he got all his riches restored and he has new sons and new daughters or whatever. Um, that's not as important as that vision of, uh, of eternity, basically.
0: I think there's the, an imagery from the young version where he's talking about how Job's point of view is, like he's watching the back of God create Leviathan. You know, it's like he's, he's above it all
1: yeah yeah with yeah. his so, with
0: his with the consciousness gained from going through the initiation
1: yeah so he's it, yeah it's it's very gnostic right and you could tell that Jung was very into Gnosticism because yeah. that, that's that's the viewpoint of not of the gnostics is that humanity has the spark of the higher god outside of the creator right the creator being the demiurge or ael the boath or whatever, Bawolf, um, Who's the yeah. blind God? He doesn't realize that there's a there's a higher God above him, um, and and so because we have these sort of sparks of the original God, we can sort of see beyond God. Um, mm. so yeah, that's, and that's. So
0: what version did you land on? So like uh, you said, you you read the entire KJV, but right. then. Did, after that you're like i need more but i want a want a different how did you find
1: yeah i just tr- went to a bookstore i just happened upon this uh yeah this new revised standard version which is this oxford annotated bible um and it's excellent so unlike the uh kjv where it's just written out in basically prose sentences mm-hmm. um this sort of structures it as like structures all the speeches as, as, as poetry, which is originally how it was meant to be read, like as, as Hebrew poetry. Um, and so it's, it's, it's easier to read like that as well. Um, and then and it really brings it out as, as being a poem, you know? Uh, but, uh, but Fry said that uh, the King James Version, like you said, it's meant to be read aloud and how it's structured on the page, it breaks it down enough to give you the sense of that kind of poetry, you know? Because every, every little sentence becomes a new, a new verse and then it goes to a new line, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting how to, how, how to read that out loud too. I, like, I still think the King James Version is it's more fun to read out loud.
0: Yeah, but it definitely, um is is harder to study i would say it it feels otherworldly and i think it accomplished what it set out to accomplish but like um it, uh, it, w- the criticism that i hear is that like in terms of translation it's not a good translation there are better words they could have chosen mm but the words that they were, so like um, I think an example was when they were talking about the face of the deep. Yeah, um, and like uh, that's that's a word that they chose because of what they were trying to accomplish. But like you know, it's not it's not necess- it's not a word that um, yeah um, you'd find if you were translating the actual word itself
1: yeah that's that's why this bible that i've got is pretty good because it it gives all the uh if there... in progress. yeah um no i was just talking about the uh yeah this version of it it, it gives any any sort of weirdness in the hebrew um it makes a note of it, and then gives you some possibilities of what it might mean. Um,
0: Well, but that's, did you say, so that's the other interesting thing. I wonder uh, if they were coming out of the Greek. I think they were the committee, the King James committee.
1: But um, they're working with the Vulgate, right, which is in Latin. so I don't know if they're going back to the the original source texts or not. Um, yeah. I thought they were only. I thought they were only using the vulgate. But well, I, so I, like I, who knows?
0: The, I spent. I I didn't read it very closely, but there was, and I don't know if I enjoyed it necessarily. But the, you know, it was the history of the time, and you kind of got you know a look at all the different committee members, and. Mm you know, King James and everything. And it was interesting because for me, um, we had, we'd just done Hamlet. So it's, it's roughly, you know, it's the same time. Yeah. Almost the
1: same, almost the same years. Like it it, really the same time.
0: And right. Um, but that, the thing that struck me about that moment was how divisive it, it was, you know, because, uh, because of the, English uh, what are they called monarchy you know like it was flip-flopping for a while between Protestant and Catholic and it really was a really um, unsettled time uh, and not, not a great fun time necessarily either even though there was I mean it just it seemed pretty grisly you know when you read about some of the stuff that was going on Um, Mm -hmm. but the so to tie into some of the other things that were interesting to me is like one of the places where some of these protestants that where they went was to america and some of the the values and things that they created actually informed the constitution or the the whole idea of law came from english Protestant protestantism like this idea of uh, of um, like John Winthrop's City on a Hill. Mm. A lot of, uh, so I read a pretty good essay by, um, oh, I can't think of anyone's name right now, um, Marianne Robinson, and I haven't ever read her, but she was studying a lot of the early, uh, like, commonwealth ideas almost like communism but of you know coming out of a a religious context and so that was interesting to me because at the same time I was also interested in uh, Thomas Pynchon's Mason and Dixon which Mm. is a little later but still in the in the in the neighborhood so I don't know it was all tying together for me is what i'm saying
1: there's there's all kinds of like uh basically communistic utopian communities in new england um like in the 1600s right right uh, yes um, and they uh yeah so you had like the english revolution which was uh in the 1640s i guess um yes it starts in 1649 i guess um, and And then there's all kinds of different like really radi- uh, uh 1642 to sixteen fifty one really radical kind of Protestant groups, like like the the like the levelers and the diggers and and all these yeah, um, essentially communist groups um, and that goes that becomes an influence for all these uh, different people fleeing religious persecution and moving to america after that um, so yeah that that's an interesting story too um and i guess like uh yeah then you've got the uh the witch hunt in um uh, in massachusetts but which, uh, that's
0: a lot of that is still all happening
1: like, like those were Puritans, which is like a yeah more extreme conservative form of Protestantism. It, right. But yeah, a- the idea of like the witch trials, you know, like that goes back to Job too. You know, the trial, any anything to do with trial can can fit into Job, I think.
0: Well, speaking of, so like someone was, I was reading someone, and they were talking about Job and Kafka's The Trial in the same breath, or in the yeah breath. yeah. And I don't, so like I did a little, I definitely checked out the trial and I hadn't done that before. And it it does feel uh, interesting. Like it's good and it would probably warrant me to read it again. Um, The best part about the trial is the ending, I think, is how there's like this weird parable at the very end where it's almost like a little fairy tale in the story itself about this the the law and this doorman with the open door to the law and and the person's trying to go through the door but they have to be ready to go through the door and how do you know when you're ready and what you know what's the doorman's role in this whole thing and stuff um hmm. uh but I think what I found out was he, he was D- Um. Uh, so it's like the brothers k is what influenced kafka he that's where his mind was coming from like it was it was yeah so he Uh. was that's where he was influenced and you know what inspired him it wasn't it wasn't the book of job because so in the trial basically (laughs) joseph k wakes up and finds out that he's been charged with the crime but they won't tell him what the crime is and he has to figure out how How to, I mean, so like you could see how it's similar to the book of Job because it's like he has to figure out who can help him with his trial. But the trial basically goes on forever.
1: Well, even if it's the, uh, even if it's the influence, the key influences uh, the brothers Karamazov. And then the central part in is that whole section about the Grand Inquisitor, right? Um,
0: I haven't ever, I have done that one.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great one, and I'm sure that goes back to the Grand Inquisitor. It goes back to the Book of Job. Yeah, I'm just reading it now. Like that, that's like, <laughs> yeah, Dostoevsky was reading the Book of Job once, and then and then he comes up with the legend of the, the Grand Inquisitor. So, um, so I think yeah, I, I, Kafka so- must have. Kafka must have had Job in mind as well, you know, like, uh, at some level, like, I think, I think it's Jung or, I can't remember if it's Jung or Fry that I was reading. And they say that, uh, um, the trial by Kafka reads like a, like a, a Jewish midrash or like an exposition or an exegesis on, uh, on the book of Job. So I, I'm sure it's there. And then it's like what you said, it's like the, uh, the idea that somebody's being held on trial and doesn't know what they've done, <laughs> you know, it's just like, But everyone
0: knows that they're on trial. Yeah. It's what's interesting. So I'd be curious, there's a couple films and one um is starring Kyle MacLachlan and it came out in the 90s. And so I'd be oh, I think curious... I've seen
1: that, yeah, on on, on Kafka, like Kafka in the... Tri- like, is, it, it's kind of like... um uh it's kind of like that naked lunch movie where it's I bet you it is. Up, yeah, it's it's uh, it's biographical plus fitting together all kinds of stories too. But then that's Orson Welles
0: made one too, and he said it was his best. You know, the best thing he'd ever done. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: I might have to check that out. Yeah, that yeah. might be a that might be a book to go to next if we like. That's a short one too. Um I haven't read any Kafka yet. I don't have. I don't have that. I've read that uh, a long time ago, but I, I, I don't. I don't remember much of it in detail. Uh, but uh no. I. But the other. The other thing that I. I mentioned before, like the other big interpretation of the Book of Job, is is what I was saying is is Blake. Um. Yeah. He, no, you're gonna end up liking this because this this goes this goes into places that, that are familiar to you. Um, but like I said, he, uh, his Book of Job series of engravings um, ends up being 22 plates, um, the title page and then 20, 21 different separate plates. And there was a uh, theosophist group, I think they're the first ones to do this. They came out with a deck of the tarot that combines the Blake's book of Job with the tarot deck and it fits really nicely. And so the guy who gets into it, the guy who kind of came up with that fact and then, and then gets deeper into it is this, is this critic called uh, S Foster Damon. And he, he writes about this in in a, in a couple places, right? Where the, uh, um, this sort of perfect parallel between the tarot deck and the, book of Job in, uh, in Blake's engravings. And there's, there's almost a perfect match card for card all the way through. Um, and uh, and when I was reading that and then studying and then looking at these engravings and then looking at my, I've got a, a book of Thoth like um, Crowley's deck. Um, it helped me to not only understand the book of Job better but it also helped me to understand the tarot better as this, uh, as this path of initiation, right? Like the entire book of Thoth with a major arcana, I mean, um, yeah, tells, tells a story all the way through. And uh, if you just look at the cards themselves, it's hard to, it's hard to get a sense of the, the story. But if you combine that with the book of Job, you can see exactly where, what the story is, the story of initiation. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if you had that at all in your, in your mind. Uh,
0: well, usually when you get the twenty-two, like you end up. It's just you automatically click over to the, to the tarot. But then yeah, there was so- also like I already had a book where a guy was connecting um, the tarot with Joseph Campbell's, you know, hero's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, it's really, it's really clear and easy, like that initiatory path. And you can see, cause the, there's an, you know, there's like an above, um, and a below journey, you know, like you do go in the underworld as part of the, the adventure in both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's, it's interesting. If you, if you were to do that, like find a, uh, I could send it to you like a, the series of, of engravings. Well, I've seen
0: some of the engravings. It's hard. All you have to do is look, look for Job images and you're going to get.
1: Yeah, you get them. It's good to look at them in order and go from, from one to another, and then keep in mind the cards as you do that. And then it, there's a, there's a, like a perfect match so that, um, Death, for example, number 13, card 13 is uh, in, in Blake's, the 13th card is, is the whirlwind, is when the whirlwind comes down, right? Um, so, he, so it's the death of the selfhood. Blake was always talking about the selfhood. Um, so in, in, in Blake's interpretation, basically, it's like uh, um, the reason why, the, Blake's answer to Job, the reason why Job is suffering is because he he does follow the law to the letter right and so he's still in what blake calls innocence so blake has his famous books of innocence and then books of experience and so blake is still in the still in innocence right like and so he's just following the law and for 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 blake that's a that's a huge no no <laughs> you know like you're not because you're following the law, you're not following your own desires. And so um, you don't gain any spiritual experience. You don't mature spiritually. You're just basically a child, even though you might be living a completely righteous, perfect life. Um, because you haven't experienced your own desires, you haven't really freed yourself, you're not You're not advancing. Um, and so what happens then is that uh, because... Job considers himself righteous in order to in order to consider himself that way, he takes on, he himself takes on the role of the accuser, right? Because he he has to start judging him, judging others against himself. And so he does that against his own children, he does that against his own friends and, and everybody else and all, and finds them failing, right? Because they're not following the law. And so uh, so for for Blake, Satan is the selfhood which is internalized in in job and that's uh that's what causes him the complete misery that's why he loses everything and and to get out of it he's got to realize that uh, he's he's got to become spiritually awakened basically um, so then yeah so that starts with uh, god coming out of the whirlwind um I guess it starts with the, the hanged man um, like before that there's the wheel of fortune, and then that's his friend's mocker mocking him because of his fate um and then there's justice and then there's the hanged man, and that's the original the, that's where the experience starts where he's he everything is turned upside down and uh he realizes completely how miserable he is and then but but that's, that's the point where Elihu comes in too. And so Blake is also saying that's, that's what Elihu's speech turned Job onto the idea that he needed vision, you know, to, to really realize what God says. And so then after that, the 13th card comes in, his death, the death of his selfhood basically. And then from that point on, it's, it's like from, from card 13 to 21, it's, it's, it's his experience. Um,
0: yeah no that's that's uh worth checking out
1: yeah this is again though this is not is not blake no talking directly about the tarot um this is s foster damon's uh um paralleling it but Blake talks about it in the same way like that Blake talks about it as a progression of like a, um so you, if you see in his in in his engravings uh it shows the, the first in, the first engraving is he and his family his extended huge family and they're sitting under the tree and they're they're uh it everything is sunny and nice and uh, but Job is holding the book of law, the open book of law in his hand He's obviously he's following the book of law to the letter. And then they're sitting under this giant tree is kind of this tree of life idea, but on the tree are all these instruments up in the branches of the tree and nobody's playing these instruments they are kind of neglected. And so Blake is showing that he's, he, he's following the law, but he's not, he's not following the deeper things like art and poetry and, uh, um, his own desires basically and then that's where it starts you know that's where it, that's where the whole uh that's where he starts to judge others and then starts to judge himself and then he goes into the dark night of the soul
0: well, so yeah the, the imagery of mark's woods you know like that that feels like the the dark night of the soul And, you know, that's what was interesting to me about that comparison.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of Dante, too. Right. That's interesting, too, because Blake, Blake, right after he did this, he started a series of engravings. Some of them he completed or nearly completed um, about Dante. And then Dante starts out, the the journey into the infernal starts through the dark wood. Right. (laughs) So it's kind of... I don't know if Mark was... Had that in mind or not, like?
0: A... But I think he was literally taking that journey. That's what's so fascinating. Where his, he was he was able to put his internal landscape on the external. Like there, it really was like a, a synchronicity where he was combining his internal processes with his external landscapes.
1: Yeah, that's that's, that's amazing. Like the, yeah. The other thing about Blake is. Uh, which matches onto that is that, um, so Blake always has this kind of fourfold notion of things. Right. And so he, he, um, and he gets that from the Bible and, and Jung talks about that too in in the, in his answer to Job. Right. So that there's, God is represented in Ezekiel as four different faces, three animals, and then a, uh, and then an angel or a human face. Um, so the idea in in Young is that uh, God is basically three quarters beast, um, right. but Blake Blake takes the same imagery from from uh, Ezekiel and from uh, Revelations and even in Daniel, and comes up with this idea of the four zoas, right? Like the four the zoas are just animals as well. The zoo zoo from zoa, and so so these four. Um, Blake matches up with the four friends of, uh, of uh, Job, right? And there are three fallen Zoas, right? Uh, Urizen, Tharmas, and Luva. And they all represent different, uh, different of the three friends. I, I tried to match them. I don't know if this is the best match, but I, I matched up a, a with Luva, who's, who represents feeling. And then Bildad, the Shuhite, is Tarmas, whose sensation are strength, and Zophar is your risen. And then Elihu is Earthona or loss, and who represents the imagination. And he's the only one of, in, in Blake's huge cosmology, he's the only one of the four who hasn't fallen. And so he, he is the one who's able to lead Job to the light through the imagination.
0: Yeah. And when you do fours, do you end up trying to think in terms of the uh, tarot suits also with the the wands? The yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And so that that goes back to what um, Lovatsky was talking about. I don't know if she, she's not explicit in that passage, but maybe she is in other places where the, uh, the imagery goes back to the four sons of Horus. And a lot of different scholars are, are, are thinking that those passages in Ezekiel and other places in the Bible can be stretched back to that—the four sons of Chorus—and so that's um, that's maybe where it, one of the places where it originates from. Like I'm sure it's probably even older than the the ancient Egyptians, you know. But I was going to say, with the landscape, Mark kind of transcribing that onto the landscape. I I I do something similar. I go out into the woods, and then there's four. I sit on this one hill in the center, and there's four hills. In the distance right on the on the cardinal points I have I, I brought a compass up there so it's right in the cardinal points. so I, I map all these correspondences onto the land too, which is which is great it's a, it's a great thing to do
0: I, right I think yeah I, I almost think it's like necessary like you need to embody the myths
1: Yeah, yeah
0: so that you. Like can integrate your internal with your external world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That whole part I wrote, that huge piece on McLuhan, it all ends up in those big fireworks about these the, the like the fourfold nature of things, including the the four zoos and then the uh, and then even McLuhan, who's who's also going back to Blake, talking about the uh, the four major the four major senses and then touch sort of integrating it all in the center. Um so Jung Jung is coming up with the same kind of idea in the in the in the book of Job. Uh in Answer to Job and other places. Uh
0: have you ever seen Edward Edinger? He's a Jungian also.
1: Yeah, I know his name. I haven't read any of his stuff.
0: Well he <laughs> I like I seem to remember he did a whole commentary on on just the images. Um so he's doing a commentary on Blake's Job. Uh, it was in oh, he my did. yeah. So an encounter with self, a Youngian commentary on William Blake's illustrations of the Book of Job, and so it was. It, I don't have it, but it was. You know, it's one of the one of the ones that I put on my list at one point in time. And so you were tickling me, and i i read I read some Edinger like 10 years ago is probably when it was because i was interested in moby dick and there's a lot of good um he did a something he's he's done lots of jungian things um let's yeah that
1: sounds great that sounds something I, i'm gonna have to look up. um there's a uh there's a guy i'm trying to find it um
0: Maybe he just did a book called "The Arch- Archetype of the Apocalypse," and so that was what I was like really interested in. But then there was also a-, a Moby Dick one too, I think. But
1: yeah, there's just a there's a recent video actually on on YouTube now, and it is called "Just a Second on Selfhood and Awakening." William Blake and the Book of Job, and it's this guy from the UK called Mark Vernon. And he just, he just put this out on August 3rd, 2022. And he cites like other people like uh, Kathleen Raine. He doesn't talk about S. Foster Damon, but uh, he talks about Kathleen Raine, and Kathleen Raine has a similar interpretation of this. But he goes through, this guy goes through all the images and, and makes a commentary, similar similar commentary, like a Blakeian commentary on, on what's happening in Job. Um, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good to to look at. Actually, he's done a lot of different videos on Blake. He's kind of an in- interesting guy, and just sort of listening to his stuff these days.
0: Well, so speaking of listening to stuff, and where is your own project like taking you? <laughs>
1: um, uh, I don't know. It uh, it all. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been hit by the muse these days, these years. <laughs> I don't know what happened. With, uh, uh, I don't know. I,
0: maybe I, I, so the only thing that excited me over the summer was just spending like really a, a lot of time with uh, Mason and Dixon. Mm. <laughs> um, but that wasn't like, you know, <laughs> it was just really reassuring. Like well, I would, it, I would do it. I would do a chapter, and then I would do it again because it's like, man, I don't know if I'm following. Because partly he wrote it in this kind of 18th century style, and so it isn't. It's it's pretty easy for Pynchon, but not. It's not. It's not particularly easy to follow. It's, yeah, I've it's, got
1: that. I've got that on my shelf too. So we, we might get into it. Um uh, no, I've I've been inspired by what I've been reading, like the, the Bible and the Gnostics and all this commentary around it. But I just I haven't been able to uh to write about it. You know, like uh I always start to write and then I I, I don't finish. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I, I haven't finished. I haven't um so I'm yeah, it kind of discourages me. Hmm. But uh, I guess, yeah, I, I'm still, um, uh, I'm still inspired by my reading, which is, I'm happy about that.
0: Well, is I definitely and, go ahead.
1: I was just going to ask if Mason and Dixon taps into any of this stuff.
0: Kind of. Um, well, because Pynchon's exploring a lot of different. Um, Esoteric traditions and things. Mm. But it's interesting because it's tapping into, like, the beginnings of things. And so, like, um... Like the Dutch East India Company and the idea of a company becoming... Like, of the personhood of a company kind of thing. Um materiality so like they're creating like they're using cutting-edge science like they're the cutting-edge scientists with their techniques and tools and and so in america they didn't have the the wherewithal to create a boundary between these these two locations that was causing problems and so Mm. they called in the um these astronomers for from england so they were definitely outsiders. But then this line had, you know, so much power in terms of what it became because it was the the dividing line for slavery. Mm. And so, um, like, I didn't know anything about them at all, but I knew that, like, the Mason-Dixon line, you know, had something to do with, like, this is where the South begins kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually uh, a bit strange you bring the Dutch East India company in because uh, I, I just had a, a big trip to Nagasaki. Um, just came back at the like, uh, like not even a week ago, I think. Um, and uh, that talks about, yeah. I mean, th- that's a huge center of the Dust at the Dutch East India company too, in Nagasaki. They actually, uh, the shogunate of Japan, um, created this artificial uh, island called Dejima, like 1634 or something, and then isolated all the Dutch. That was, they only allowed the Dutch to trade with Japan. That was the only, um, European foreign power that they allowed to trade, uh, with Japan. And they could only operate from this tiny artificial island, um, off of Nagasaki. And, uh, that that was the state of things for for like two hundred years, you know. Um, but before that, there was the Portuguese. They were they were trading with the Portuguese and with Spain, and then um, the Jesuits, especially Dominicans, and, and then the Jesuits were uh, missionaries in Japan, and there was a massive, massive growth of Christianity in Japan. To the point where hundreds of thousands of Japanese converted. And uh basically things deteriorated between uh the Christians, a lot of the converted Christians and converted Daimyos are like a, like um regional re- uh, leaders of Japan, and then the shogunate, and then uh eventually there's this massive crack. There was a huge rebellion of Christians against um these imposed daimyos who weren't christians and were kind of starving the people and there's massive rebellion and then there's a crackdown huge massacre of of people who were rebelling and then a crackdown of all the christians in japan and they all had to go underground for 200 years um which is it 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 was a history i i uh i'd heard about but i didn't i didn't know details about it at all it's just like a yeah, it's pretty fascinating this, what, that whole story and then and then the turn from the Portuguese and Spanish as as the world empire basically to the Dutch right and like you're saying the uh, the Dutch were based out of the Dutch East India Company and then and then there was a turnover from the Dutch into the British with the British East India Company and then that that was what triggered the uh, American Revolution the the American colonists against the British East India Company.
0: Yeah, and but so like I think Pynchon discovered that these two figures crossed enough paths through their career that you could use them as like the the ar- architecture for a, a pretty good story because they the book is divided between these two transits of Venus mm. and one is kind of like at the beginning of their career and then they do this I think the transits of Venus happen with a fixed year period. It happens. And then um, like 13 years later, there's another one, but um, they, they were recording this for, I I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, Let's see the astrona, the astronomical society sent them to like, um, Oh, where? T- to South Africa, I think. Or, so they were supposed to go somewhere, but then they, you know, uh, there was lots of tra- travails. I think it's South Africa where they end up, though. And that's why the Dutch are there. And yeah. they're dealing with slavery, um, like really early forms of slavery. So is, is,
1: is Pynchon saying that the, uh, the Dutch... Um... The Dutch had a connection with the South. Is that?
0: Well, no, not necessarily. Um, it's just that these guys, you know, it's like a kind of like a road movie where these guys are like just experiencing everything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, <laughs> they smoke pot with George Washington, and you know, <laughs> they <laughs> they experience an electrical experiment with Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> but like they they're having zany adventures but then you know that there's all this this other stuff so i don't know it was a good book for me to just kind of get lost in for a good chunk of the summer
1: that sounds great I, maybe yeah like i was saying maybe we could do that in uh in the springtime
0: yeah that would that would be that'd be fabulous i i went and picked up gravity's rainbow i don't know if i have the headspace for that right now though but
1: you think it's you, Mason and Dixon is easier than Gravity's Rainbow?
0: Yes and no. Um, I don't. There's something convoluted about the way he puts things together, and so it's almost like I need to do them a couple times to really start seeing it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't find Gravity's Rainbow too hard to to get through, but uh...
0: no, it's it's pretty. I think there's a moment where I just kind of went off the page. There's a lot of characters.
1: Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to keep track of things. I think I had a uh, something printed from the net about the characters.
0: With, um, against the day, I think that is his biggest one, and I think it an intentionally becomes noise like he's oh really <laughs> okay. yeah like he's mimicking what information is doing at that point in time and it's just everything is becoming so noisy that you can't actually track the narrative anymore and i think unless the the person that i was reading is just not very good and it's like i think he's doing this on purpose i don't know what's going on <laughs> oh, that
1: Yeah. Well, there's um, like we could make we could trace this back. I think like um, in a way like I think Book of Job was an influence on Philip K. Dick for sure. And so I don't know. And Dostoevsky was a huge influence on the Beats. So that might be there might be connections with uh, Pynchon with those guys. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure Book of Job influenced everything. Yeah, it's a just a massive work. Are you attending to your dog?
0: I no, I'm trying to ignore her by muting. <laughs> <laughs> uh there was when we were doing. I don't know what the book was, but I was like really into the Cohen brothers. uh uh the serious man a serious man and i think yeah, it was highly influenced by job also
1: yeah i think so i was that was one that i was thinking of watching again um yeah, yeah that was that's i remember that being a great movie too but...
0: somehow it connected to whatever we were doing at the moment and i was really feeling it i don't remember what we were doing though we're gonna oh. the it's gonna go off the rails here in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. But we'll come back and Okay, yeah and, and connect about uh various things. I like this, this idea of uh I can't say his name. <laughs> Do Travesky Doy. Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Yeah.